At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's Isabella Lumba here, the world messenger, and I am here with very special guests for another epic episode of Legacy Leader Show. And you guys absolutely cannot wait to hear what I have in special treat here for you. Someone that is not only here in my city, beautiful my high city, Denver, Colorado, but also someone that I absolutely am in awe of discovering so much of similarities and as well opportunities for growth learning that I'm sure you guys can capitalize on. What do you really think about when you talk about high-performing entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, and someone who is consistently succeeding in business? And not only he's going to download all of the wisdom with us, but he's going to share some amazing work that he's been doing. And of course, you don't get to graduate from Stanford University in the business unless you are uber, uber talented and know what are you doing and also know how to apply. In addition, we had a chance to also uncover more what he's doing currently and where his passion is. He's also helping amazing projects around the world. And you guys cannot wait to hear from our guest, Dane Wachowicz, who is next to me. Hey, Dane, how are you? Isabella, I'm fine, thanks. So, 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 so pleased to be here with you. Fantastic. It's absolutely great to have you. So guys, look at this. We're in the same room and background is real. So it's not one of those, uh, you know, artificial posts behind us. We're meeting in my headquarters. We're doing some amazing things here and powwowing. And um, I have to really say he's well kept secret here, guys. And we can't afford this anymore, right? Thank you for the opportunity. Delighted, delighted to share anything that I can that's helpful to people. Absolutely. Again, the most successful people are the most humble. And that definitely goes for them because people that are having success don't have to put miles and miles of their accomplishments. But also they really do interject and intersect and share as needed because they're phenomenal listeners. And Dan is definitely one of those greatest minds who listens and depicts and finds the way. So Dan... Let us start a little bit here. Um, where did you grow up? Are you been part of Malhai City all along or you're a transplant like myself? No, I've been a part of the Malhai City all along. I was born and reared, and reared here. I went to college in Wisconsin and then in Palo Alto. Other than that, Denver has been my home. Fantastic. I love Palo Alto. Wisconsin's been in my radar, radar for some trainings in the past, specifically in booming construction industry. So it's really interesting to see how different states, including our own Colorado, is shifting and changing these days, isn't it? Indeed, indeed. So for this is the first Colorado native that sticks around, born and raised, did educate, but always stick around in the city that I know. I knew so many that left and came back, but never really lived over their entire life. I have done that. I'm definitely a native. And that is so rare. You know that. It is rare. 
I'm blessed my wife and I are both Colorado natives. We have a lot of friends from childhood who are still our friends and Colorado is our place and their place. So we're blessed to know a lot of natives. Others coming in might not interact with that group. Fantastic. So you guys know why it's so awesome to stay in Mile High City and be in this playground and why it was so difficult for me to get anywhere else. So let's depict a little bit about interesting choices you made. You mentioned your beautiful family here. I had a privilege to meet your gorgeous wife and you have amazing daughters. I mean, you are such a devoted husband and also a father which is also one beautiful trait for and prerequisite, frankly, for legacy leaders, because when you're successful in the business, a lot of people fail to be successful in personal life. How did you juggle that given the plethora of high demanding jobs, and specifically as a successful entrepreneur, how did you manage that? I managed it because my wonderful wife supported me in doing that. When I first started out as an entrepreneur, she and I had a discussion about, I'm leaving a job and I'm not gonna have a paycheck. And her response to me, which I'll never forget, is as long as we're together, we can live in a tent, uh-huh. just as long as we're together. And that support from a spouse is an essential part of being an entrepreneur. So that, and then the equal support from our daughters, one particular incident comes to mind that just blows me away but all my family has supported us no matter what the situation has been. Dan, that is fantastic. Are you definitely lucky one to have that kind of support and you knew who to marry, but now we need to know about the incident. You can't just slide that and and disappear. You have to tell us what happened with your daughter. (laughs) Well, this was a period where our company had grown to 28 people. We were building a software product and all of a sudden the funding that I was advised we would receive fell through and we had to get down to eight people. Those eight people became three and then grew back up. And it was five years into that where our children were using hand-me-downs, not like that's bad, but we grew up in a middle-class area and it was not something that was normal. We were very careful about how we spent money And I was very concerned because our daughters and my wife, Sherry, were being affected. We were at brunch with my mother and father, and my mother and father and my mother and father-in-law had been very kind in supporting us economically, but it had been a long haul, and I was expecting to get a piece of business that would change things, and it did, actually. But at the time, my mom said to me, as I paraphrase, Dan, have you thought about getting a real job lately? <laughs> and they said very kindly, but she was concerned about the family. And as I sat, sat there thinking about the answer, really reflecting on what it would be like to go back to employment, all of our daughters said they didn't want me to do that, which wow. astonished me. Wow. And afterward, I asked each of them why they had responded that way. And all of them, it, give me the same basic answer. The one that I will never forget because it was poetic was our younger daughter, youngest daughter. When I asked her, she said, dad, when you started Mainstay, you had a dream. And if you were to get a real job, you would never have the opportunity to make that dream come true. And I would never want that to happen to you. So in that moment, I went from thinking that I put my family through horrible pain and I felt horrible to realizing it was a blessing because our children had learned how to survive under very, very difficult financial circumstances. 
And more than that, even learned the importance of other issues, the importance of caring about someone, the, imp the importance of sharing with someone, all of those issues that so often are not realized by many children, I was, and Sherry, and I were able to create for them completely inadvertently and probably wouldn't have done it had we had money. But I now look back at that period as one of the best periods of my life. Wow, that is such an amazing answer and, and experience and reason for everybody again watching and listening to the Legacy Leader Show. This really proves and shares if you have a dream and vision and not much going for you right away, it's okay. You can go lean, you can go small, you can go simple. Even with family, when you have the right support, they share your vision with you, right? Exactly. exactly. And then how amazing it is that everybody were on board with you, including your youngest daughter. And that they didn't care about materialistic stuff. And it's so interesting how you then acquired so many materialistic successes and opportunities to live the different lifestyles that so many people dream of. Indeed. With the same foundation, because this is a key. You had already a foundation that created the success. Versus that a lot of times people think when I have a success, I'm going to have the foundation. They're thinking that the success is going to help them to build the foundation when it's actually the other way around, isn't it? You're absolutely right. The foundation is what determines the success of your future in business as well as in life. So yes, I was fortunate to have a foundation, as was Sherry, with wonderful caring parents who instilled in us a lot of characteristics that created that foundation. And we were inadvertently in this case, but in other cases, able to share with our children those same foundational elements. That is fantastic. So with that in mind, do you mind sharing, how did you knew what to do? Where did you go in it internally or externally to build yourself up, to be so confident and, 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 and continue to really go when everybody uh, on, on outside possibly were saying, you know, it's maybe time to looking for some other options or it's, you know, this is not happening or fast enough, or you're going to probably fail when they start actually basically doubting you. I'm sure so many of you have been doubted so many times as well. I think doubt is something that comes with the territory. Mm -hmm. As an entrepreneur, you are going beyond what most people consider to be the safety net of a paycheck. I never I, I appreciated the safety net of a paycheck. I always believed for some reason that my maximum safety comes from me being more in control. So when I took steps to become an entrepreneur, both as a, what we would now call a side hustle, although it was much more than that, while I was still, still employed with the permission of my boss. Um, and then ultimately when I left a paying job, I, I just accepted the fact that doubt from others was going to be a part of it. I, I think to be an entrepreneur, you must have confidence in yourself and your own capabilities. I think you need to measure that with objectivity, which is difficult as an excited entrepreneur. But I, I believe I managed to walk that line and recognize the doubt. And I never had self-doubt. And my wife ensured that I never had self-doubt mm -hmm. because she always supported me when things were tough. Wow, that is so rich. So never having self-doubt, no matter what, either you're supported or not supported by family members or loved ones, 
That is so important. And then on top of it, if you are, it's even better, right? And when the others are doubting you, what did you do? You just let it slide, like they say, from the ducks, like, for, like or, or, or I'm sorry, the feathers. Uh, it's like, you just let it roll. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I took into account doubt mm -hmm. because other people have insights that I might not have appreciated. Mm -hmm. So it was not at all that I didn't appreciate input, but people who doubted just for the sake of doubting, my gosh, you're going out, you don't have a paycheck. How are you doing this? And I always in my mind knew that I was going to be successful. Mm -hmm. And the doubt to the extent that it was input that was valuable, I took into consideration. Mm -hmm. And now when I do the coaching that I do, my role, among other things, is to help people who are entrepreneurs, who are optimistic, to step back and, and be measured and look at, the, look at the issues that might be in front of them. And as a good friend and colleague of mine says, find ways to de-risk them. Because mm -hmm. an entrepreneur, especially early stage entrepreneurs, you don't see the risks. And it's important that you recognize them and come up with a way of dealing with them. Wow, that is so rich. Do you mind elaborating a little bit more about the risking? Because we deal with so much risk, guys. You already know that. But how do you de-risk and what that really means? Because given uh, how high risks are in everything we do and trade-offs and how high velocity it is, right, in everything that we do. Indeed. And yes, I mean, anyone, well, I'll give you an example. The background to this isn't important, but the position I held in a job I had at the time involved working with a major amusement park ride manufacturer. And they had sold a ride. They built, they built great big rides like coaster, bloom rides, big stuff like that. They had sold a ride, which was the corkscrew coaster that goes two forward rolling loops to a park the company that we owned had made 8% on a $600,000 sale and the park made eight times their investment in the first and subsequent years. Went to my boss and I said, this is kind of out of whack. Let's think about a way we can do this. We can do it on a concession basis, royalty basis. He explained that our company was not of that culture, but he authorized me to do it on my own. So I put together a deal where I had an company that had the ride that they wanted to sell and an amusement park that wanted it in place. And I went to my attorney having negotiated with both and asked him to put contracts together. And he explained to me that I couldn't do that. I couldn't raise money. There's this securities exchange commission. They have auspices over this. I said, I've got to do it, Joe. So tell me what to do. And his advice was go to friends and family. They're less likely to sue you and put together a document that explains what you're doing and emphasize the risks. I didn't see any risk. Why would I be doing this wow. if it were risky? But I thought and thought and thought and put together what ended up being nine risks, none of which I really expected, seven of which actually occurred. Wow. The, the, the ride didn't get delivered from Germany on time. The park never opened. We put it into a park in Tulsa, Oklahoma and the amb ambient temperature was so high it wouldn't operate ended up being at a park in Denver and being one of the best investments I was ever a part of, I did de-risk it because I understood currency transactions. So I bought Deutschmarks forward so I could lock in the price. I didn't pay any attention to the other risks, 
how do you de-risk it? Do you, you think of people who you might bring in to help, mm -hmm. to provide insights. You, you look at the individual tasks and recognize that they are risky and look into ways that you can mitigate the risk. In, in, the, in the government, we built a lot with government contractors and agencies, when they put together a proposal, they have red teams that go through the proposals yes. to look at what they can do to make it more effective and less risky. It's the same process that an entrepreneur, entrepreneur needs to go through, but often doesn't perceive that, that necessity. Guys, this is a golden because knowing not only what the risks are and possibility of those risks and, and knowing how to mitigate them before they can possibly even occur or to have a contract in agreement or understanding. That is worth so much, uh, not only time and saving the money and effort, but actually they could really determine if you can go forward the project or not, if you're gonna go bankrupt or not, if you're going to lose your shirts and everything else. And sometimes in some cases as both of us, you know, reputation right absolutely but one thing also dan just shared here is how he saw amazing opportunity and how he found the ways to make that happen and you heard him he made one of the best deals he worked out maybe not for that particular uh team park but worked for denver denver illiches i believe right where it was. which i actually was there as as, as soon as i immigrated from europe for the first few years I'm being invited and I went and I remember seeing all those dangerous roller coaster rides and I'm not one of those brave souls to go on those. And isn't it life at this time for so many of us feeling like a big, huge roller coaster ride that we never sign on for it? <laughs> roller coasters are the best. They still give me adrenaline rush every time. See, you have to really learn from the pro how to not only make them happen, but how to enjoy them. Absolutely. So then, since like beside being obviously phenomenal in everything you do, successful in personal life and professional life, you build softwares, you build businesses from scratch that were 40 50 plus million dollars tell us a little bit of that entrepreneurial journey and how did you keep creating ripple effects and tremendous success success after success well all of my work after the amusement park ride when i left my former last paying job i started a consulting company because i recognized that there was a need for business to use computers. This was before PCs, mm -hmm. but there were mainframes. And people who were business people doing analysis didn't have coding skills. Mm -hmm. And the people who were doing the coding, who worked in the IT departments, didn't understand what real business users do. And I'm not talking about transaction systems like payroll systems, but analyzing opportunities for a project and taking account of the, po the possibility of revenue from various sources, the expenses, all those things are ad hoc in nature and typical IT departments don't even now understand that. They certainly didn't then. So I started a consulting company where people who were a part of it both understood how to code and understood business analysis. My background prior to that when I was still employed was a user of computer time sharing which was kind of an early version of the cloud, real early version of the cloud. I realized that I would, through a, a fun experience with a friend of mine, that that was not my future. He ended up writing in a half a page what I had toiled 
to create unsuccessfully in 14 pages of code. I realized then this was not the place to be, but I also recognized that there are other users like me mm -hmm. who, who need to use the computer mm -hmm. still and don't have the technical skills. So everything I've done has been focused on making it easier for end users, as I would have called them, people who use the computers to do the applicate, create the applications that they need to do with the limited amount, the, the absolute minimal amount of technical expertise. Mm. So that's been the guiding light throughout all of my software career. So you found opportunity in software early on when Ewen was not even PCs, let alone cloud, and all those early stages that you recognize and you rode on that wave for decades did. and found opportunities and found solutions and found your pot of gold on the end of the rainbow. How many times already? Probably in, in the software or related world, half a dozen projects. Okay. So let me ask you this then. How would you say what contribute for that consistent success? How did you select the projects or people or teams? And how did you, I mean, because usually people say we, we work so hard to maybe hit the target once, right? Or maybe twice you're super lucky in your lifetime and you continue to hit in target and then right in the bullseye. I mean, how do you do that? Well, what's the secret sauce, guys? Let's see what's <laughs> secret sauce. <laughs> this, is, this is actually part of a, of a free workshop I do. The, there, there are two things that I think are essential. One is a very well-defined, managed and propagated culture controlled by the entrepreneur founder or CEO. Mm -hmm. There is a culture in every company. Absolutely. The question is whether it is the culture of the founder or the one that gets randomly created and dynamically changes by people who emotionally act in a different way. This person wants more power. This person is frustrated because he's not fulfilled in his job. Another person is upset because the raise that she expected didn't come through. Through There are many emotions that happen in a business and without a foundation that says, here are our core values, Here's how we're going to manage through all these events. There really is no North Star. Mm -hmm. So having a well-established culture is paramount. And when I left my last position in a paid capacity, it was because the company and I had different values. Mm -hmm. And my values, I realized at a point in time, didn't coincide with those of the companies. So I left. And I realized that there had been this random culture there. It wasn't even random because the CEO had helped propagate it. So when I started my first consulting company, I wrote a document that was five pages long that I come to came to realize later was a company culture. That terminology wow. was not even in place until years later, even though the activity was. And, yes. and when I presented to people, I, whether they were employees or investors. Mm -hmm. We had no investors really in that company, but I always led with the culture because mm. that's the foundation. That's the first part. The second part of how you continue to find opportunities is you, you keep your ears open and your mouth shut. You ask questions and then pay attention or you hear what people are saying if it's unsolicited, 
that the, the opportunities in my case have been there. It's the recognition of them. And oftentimes people who are not willing to listen, which is something you do uniquely well, by the way, um, don't learn and they don't recognize in life or in business a way to go. So you have to be very open. And I believe I've been that to a great extent, tried to do that all the time. And that's where I learned of the opportunities. Oh my goodness. This is again, another major golden nugget for everybody watching and listening, because right now we're seeing a lot of cultures and so many subcultures, exactly what you were explaining with smaller entrepreneurship outlets. It's a smaller scale, so it's easier sometimes to depict, right? Because you're not dealing with the hundreds of thousands of employees, but when we're dealing with the larger companies, Fortune 500, no wonder we're seeing so many issues because we're not sure anymore who follows who and what is really going on because we have so many different departments and so many different agenda and so much competing and not complementing and not disseminating across the whole organization. So when we dialogue, when we engage, you just guys heard from Dan. What do we learn? We learn about opportunities and how can we be better individually and how can we also do better on the project level and organizational level? No, that's absolutely so right. So, so that's really the secret sauce. It's nothing more complicating than that. <laughs> Finding great people to support it is another part of it. But yeah, I think that is without that foundation of a culture, mm -hmm. I think it's much more difficult. Well, with a culture well-defined and propagated and managed by the founder CEO, the organization will buy into that culture, acknowledging what it is. And I believe that companies will be much more successful and much more likely to be successful with that kind of a culture. I know of cultures now, I look at them and I'm, I'm appalled. People are putting investors and principals are putting more money into a company I'm aware of. And I'm saying to myself, it's gonna be thrown down a trash can. You need to make some changes because the culture is absurd. And if you don't make those, you're never going to see the future success. Oh my goodness. So this is a really good perspective for everybody again watching and listening to the Legacy Leader Show. Either you're in corporate America or any other corporation, or you have your own entrepreneurship outlet, or you're supporting that smaller company. It doesn't matter size or anything in between. Culture is fundamental. And who creates the culture? People. People that are part of their culture. Sometimes they're intentional because it should be, right? Because it's about what we believe and should demonstrate our values. But if it's not, it's accidental because as they say, either you, you are focused on it or not, culture is gonna happen. Are you gonna be proud of it or not? And we see this all the time. And I actually, he was talking about trash can. I was talking about throwing the money down the toilet. And what we've seen right now, plethora of exodus, of first of all, great talent, but also problems that we've never seen before. You graduate from Stanford University, one of the prestigious Ivy League universities in the world, in business. That tells a lot. You don't go to Ivy League school just to brag, you go to learn and apply. They have some of the best programs right now. And the reason I'm bringing this, if you don't implement what you learn, it's a waste, isn't it? It is, it is. And, and the Stanford Business School was an extraordinary experience for me. I, I say that I learned two things out of the entire two years. 
One was how to do net present value, which is a calculation that you use to judge future present investments against future returns. That's number one. And the second was how to think because Stanford worked on a case study basis. So we would read cases and interject ourselves into the middle of the situation described in the case and think about how we would proceed from a marketing perspective or in a finance class and from a finance perspective. And it was, it was this amalgam of knowledge from incredible professors and this case study basis that allowed us to learn how to think. And that's what entrepreneurs need as much as anything. You need to be open to hearing and, and paying attention to what people say, evaluating it, and to think about the implications and analyze them. And that's the pleasure I get of working with entrepreneurs is helping them think through issues that I've experienced or mm -hmm. similar to what I've experienced and opening their mind to things they may not be aware of because they haven't had the years of experience mm. and helping them put that, put into play something to de-risk or to increase the opportunity. Wow, Dan, this is again, another golden nugget. And the reason why I'm bringing this up to ask your attention, we see plethora of soft skills that we call it, which in my mind are not only soft skills, they're essential skills and they're most important skills, human skills to have. One of the things through all educations and systems, still we have a people that walk away without having financial education, knowing how to problem solve and knowing how to think. Because in order, if you know how to think, you will know how to problem solve. And always part of solution will be or questioning around the financial element. And, and interestingly, some of us still are working on this because the way we're being taught and the way we've been presented with these problems, we're never given the full scope of the issue. And no wonder we can't solve the whole problem if we're solving consistently just the part or little tiny slice of it. Absolutely. And if you finally having someone like Dane, who is not only subject matter expert in that, who is able to replicate his successes, which is true mastery, let me repeat this again. If you cannot replicate your own success with someone else you're helping and advising, then you're not a master of it. You're wasting people's time. If you can replicate your own successes like they can, specific entrepreneurs that are being going through so much challenge and difficult times, then you master something and you should be considered as a, a great asset because right now nobody has a time to waste. Nobody has implatorial opportunities to continue keep just learning. We also have to quickly implement and adjust and make a much needed necessary change. So do you mind sharing a little bit about how you are now helping entrepreneurs how to think and how to make better choices and decisions and repeat your success? I believe that one of the hopes for our world comes from entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurs enable so much in America, and I believe elsewhere, I'm not familiar with elsewhere. There's a wonderful meme that I use in my workshops. And the, the meme has the caption of, good judgment comes from experience mm -hmm. and experience, well, that comes from bad judgment. <laughs> and I think that those of us who go through experiences, 
learn from those good ones, successful ones, and setbacks. I don't see anything as a failure, merely a setback. So learning from the experience of others is equally vital if you're 25, 28, or a young entrepreneur, not necessarily in age, but as a, as a first-time entrepreneur. You don't, look, Stanford Business School right now and many other schools have a concentration in entrepreneurship. Yes. I don't know what it costs to go to Stanford now, but it's approaching $80,000 a year. So you could pay $160,000 a year at Stanford or other quality schools and get an education in entrepreneurship. Most people are unable to afford that. When I went to, it wasn't that much, fortunately. The alternative to that is to learn from the experience of others. So my coaching practice is focused exclusively, not exclusively, predominantly on entrepreneurs. I offer free workshops that enable people to have one that's called, Will Your Company Survive? That deals with culture and how to create it, propagate it, and we end up with a well-defined set of core values and other actions that derive from it. And I have another one that's called Closing Sales Without Selling. Mm. Each of them are complementary. They offer value of the using the experiences I've had. And the, the selling one is for introverts because I am one. So it's for introverts who need to sell. We talk about how you can be successful as an entrepreneur, as an introvert entrepreneur. So I offer the free workshops and a range of courses and other consult consulting with entrepreneurs and others specifically to offer my experiences as they apply to the people with whom I work. Wow, that is brilliant. And I love that. And you spot on, not everybody has a time, nor everybody has a resources and people are dealing right now with the fire in their own businesses or businesses they're a part of. And we have to first address the fire, right? And then if you're constantly operating in crisis and very challenging situations is really hard. So luckily we have a two here solutions that he's offered, which will provide the links and ways how you can tap into those resources and learn more about Dane and see how he can assist you. But I'm really intrigued, Dan. You mentioned something really powerful here. As an introvert, how to sell without selling. Everybody needs to be able to sell. And specifically and directly by leading, I would assume with a tremendous value, right? What would you just give as a little pointer just to give the flavor of what not only workshop is about, but what's important skill to learn? Because guess what, guys? No matter how well I think I'm doing, I'm not remotely doing maybe enough what I need to be doing. So it's a great opportunity always to learn how can we improve this? So what would you say it's some of the top elements, top two or three elements without giving all of the secrets away before people get a chance to see on a workshop? Because really it's important to know what steps we're missing and where we need more work. Yeah, happy to do that. I have no problem giving away the elements. The workshops I do conclude I remember years ago, I worked with an individual who had formerly worked at a big consulting firm. And he told me after he had come back from a conference, all jazzed up as we are when we return with all these great ideas, his boss said to him, so Barry, what are you going to do when you get to the office on Monday? Because Mm. I have rarely put into place what I've learned at these conferences and trade shows because the world happens. 
Monday morning, all of a sudden you've been gone for four days and now, whoa, we've got to get back to the real issues that we're dealing with. So each of my workshops conclude in the case of the closing sales without selling concludes with a specific customized plan for how you will act when you go into the office on Monday morning. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, this is the course that derives from the, from the workshop. But in answer to your question, selling is not about selling ice cubes to Eskimos. <laughs> selling is about satisfying needs. Yes. How do you learn what the needs are? You ask questions. Mm -hmm. So we as entrepreneurs often come from an organization where we recognized an opportunity as I did with the amusement park rides or recognize an opportunity that's completely outside of the bounds of what I've been doing in my, in my paid position. Is the market going to appreciate that opportunity? Is their enthusiasm to buy as, as much as your enthusiasm to create? And so many times entrepreneurs have what they think is a great idea and they spend money before they really understand whether they're satisfying a genuine need. So the first, I, I, I believe there are six stages, six emotions that entrepreneurs face. Excitement, optimism, enthusiasm, frustration, fear, and in many cases, problems with the spouse because things get really bad resulting from what you're fearful of. In the excitement phase where we haven't quite made the commitment, it's imperative that you call on telephone wise or in person individuals who manage areas wow. where you believe your product has a place and you ask them in one, in one way or another, pretty much directly, do you see that there is a need mm -hmm. for this kind of a solution? It, are you feeling deficient with, that, with the way things are going now? And if you have that conversation, you also want to ask, what is the price range you would be willing to pay for a solution to the needs you now acknowledge you have? And how many users would you have? Well, with, though, with the proper questions addressing need and talking to a dozen or two dozen people in that place, yes. hopefully large, medium, and small buyers, you can put together a projection of what it is you believe your market size is. Mm. So the, the answer to your question is ask questions yes. to identify need and then take legitimate objective account of that and determine you know, what the market size is, what you do that makes you competitive with others in the market. Those thoughts and others are necessary to the process that precedes you leaving your job, if you have that option. That's an excellent explanation. And again, guys, now I'm absolutely hooking. I cannot wait to uh, experience Dan's workshop and learn more about it because again, it's a process. And if we don't follow proper process, if we miss the certain steps, we're not going to get the results we're desiring or we're able to receive. Anyway, if we could get some success, I hear so often people saying, I can't consistently do this and I'm not doing half of the things people are saying, but then I'm realizing I'm just getting by or I'm just getting enough, but I'm not necessarily hitting and getting where I need to get. So that is fantastic overview. So with this in mind, we're approaching to our full hour here in conversation with Dan. And I want to ask a few more questions before we wrap up 
for today. And guys, I will bring him back, I promise. <laughs> because um, obviously you've been doing so many tremendous things. So Tim, what's in your bucket list? What is there that you would love to still do with your beautiful wife uh, and, or just, just with, with your own personal and professional goal? I'm happy to respond to that. I want to add something to what I said before about the sales question. If you follow the path that I said where you're identifying needs and doing analysis, then when you move into a, an entrepreneur role and start doing the selling of whatever your product or service is, if you follow the same kind of process when you go see prospects, the end of the conversation is not a close that introverts are terrified of. How do I say, are you ready to buy? It's not that at all. It's really a logical conclusion of the conversation. It's obvious or it appears that we have a common understanding of your issues as you've explained them to be dot, 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 and that we are in a position to respond to them. I would like to move forward with you by, it's a whole different thing than the mm -hmm. abrupt, are you ready to buy however you phrase it? So mm -hmm. that's the benefit of that, of that process. So I wanted to respond to that completely. Please, please. So in answer to your question, my future holds more coaching with entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. um, because of you, I've learned that there is much more that can be done to improve the multitude of situations in this world. And I certainly am anxious to be a part of that. I love your vision. I'm bought into your vision. That's a big part of what I see in my future, helping the entrepreneurs that I coach and spending time with my beautiful family. That's fantastic. And it's so beautiful to again have a great partners, great mentors, people that we can trust, people that have experienced wisdom that have been already there a million times before you. And you don't have to keep trying hard way. You don't have to be learning hard way and you can actually tap into their wisdom. So I'm going to highly, highly recommend to turn around and look who is that represented in your world. And lastly, Dan, with everything you've been doing already, you had a very rich and fulfilled life. And every time, you know, when we talk in, in a few days, last few days, I, I get sense of um, pride, a sense of content, accomplishment, but in phenomenal legacy and tapestry of that legacy that you already created, what would you like your legacy to be? What would you like to be known for decades and decades and, and, and hundreds of years later um, for your contribution to the humanity and to this world? Hmm. That I made a difference. That my life was spent family, business, and Otherwise, that what I do, what I anticipate doing in the future will make a difference to the world that we live in. Mm. Guys, please make a note of that. This is what, again, on the end of the day, always matters. Family, 
contribution, impact, success, obviously, to be able to pass something on, but more than anything, be able to create a tremendous difference, as you can hear from firsthand from Dan. Dan, it was an absolute pleasure to have you today at Legacy Leader Show. And I just wanted to ask where people and community can find you. Of course, we're going to share his LinkedIn profile, but all this workshop and introverts that are out there. And believe it or not, guys, even though I appear as extreme extroverts, I was insanely shy. And originally, I actually started STEM from the introvert world. And if I can choose I'm kind of in between now you know because most of natural actual being of me is being introvert and then when needed I step in the extrovert so you might be actually having both experiences like I do and tremendous opportunity to learn from Dan so Dan where they can find more about your workshops I also appreciate immensely the opportunity to share this time with you and other time with you it's an, an incredible blessing to have met you. And I'm honored to have you as a friend and a mentor as well. So people can find me most easily by going to my website. The main, the website is mainstaysolutionscorp.org. Wow. Mainstaysolutionscorp.org. There are a couple of ways to proceed from there. There's information about me, but the workshops, there's a tab at the top of the page where each of the workshops, once again, they're free, are identified. And there's information about each and an opportunity to register. In addition, there's a button on most pages that you can click to schedule a free discovery session where we can talk about what it is that's important to you, what you'd like to achieve, where I can be of service. So that's another opportunity. Fantastic. Guys, again, don't miss on this opportunity because he is absolute great person to know. And I'm, again, very thrilled to have such an amazing, powerful mentor in my life. Uh, and I, I will share some more amazing things to come. So thank you, everyone. And Dane, again, pleasure having you on today's show. Likewise, Isabel. Thank you for listening to Legacy Leader Show. If you enjoyed the content and had a positive experience, then please leave us a positive rating. In addition, Leave us positive review whenever you are listening on whatever platform there might be. Make sure your friends and family also know about the benefit and value that we provide and what we have to offer. Cheers.